fighting for freedom every day. They're learning at a young age. They're being taught the socialists control the ones that are blaming Republicans for being Nazis or being fascists, the ones that are promoting some type of cancel culture, the ones that are promoting some type of agenda of uh, shadow banning. Realize at a young age that, hey, sure, you can have your freedom of speech, but we can block your funding. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? It's hour number two of the Voice of Reason's weekend edition, broadcasting from coast to coast right here on the heart of the nation out of Wichita, Kansas at the Hoosier Media Network Studios. It is an honor to have you along for the ride with us here. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, all the great radio station affiliates that we have all over the nation with more jumping on board. Welcome and thanks for hanging out. Uh, This has been a little bit heavier of a program. I know for the weekend we like to keep it somewhat lighthearted, ponder some issues a little bit, think about the deep discussions of the day. But at the same time, we like to laugh a little bit and it's been a very harsh one because uh, we've gone more down the theoretical and philosophical mindset for uh, the day. And I ask you, the change from 2020, or at least uh, the 20 years from now, the 2003 to 2023, the difference in the political landscape, the change in the political spectrum that we've seen. Let's go back a couple years even before that. The 2001, the year of notorious dates, including September 11th, which we are now 22 years post 9-11. Chad, jump on here for just a moment, will you? And I'm sure everybody has their moment, but I'm sure you remember where you were at the time that you heard about 9-11, right? Oh my gosh, you're going you're gonna to bring tears to my eyes. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, prepare because we got something planned here in just a moment. But where were you? What, what, what were you doing at the time that you heard about this? I had been laid off the Friday before, so I was sitting at home, and my wife had just gone to work, and everything shut down. And I was sitting in the living room watching the TV thinking, what's going on? Yeah. Where is this at? Because at, at the moment, they were all unclear of where it was, what was going on, all that stuff. What was happening? Yeah. So, all right, you're going to laugh at me here because this shows my age. Even though I feel old going 20 years back and still being in the 2000s, I was in sixth grade. And I remember, and I was not involved in politics at that time, obviously. I was in sixth grade. But I remember something happening on the bus and hearing about it because the bus, I was sitting at the very front of the bus and I was talking to the bus driver and the bus driver was wigging out. And as a kid, I had no clue what was going on. But I remember the bus driver, like, there's something weird going on. You're probably not going to have a full day of school. And I was like, okay. I go into the class, and all the teachers are anxious. We can feel the intensity. I'll never forget my English teacher, who I love to death. And I'm actually still in contact with my sixth-grade English teacher. And I have a poem that she actually wrote. I'm going to have to read it on the air one day because I still have a copy of it. It's amazing. But she was telling us a little bit of, you know, what's going on in the world. And how scary it is with people around the world wanting to harm the United States of America. I remember at lunchtime seeing the video on the TV. They had a little tiny TV in the corner of the cafeteria, and I remember seeing it there. All the way to the point where, yeah, we still had our middle school football game that night, which I'm really surprised that we did with after everything that was going on. We still had a football game that night, my sixth grade year. And I'll never forget it. Weirdest thing that ever happened. I remember it was an away game. In Ohio, where I was at growing up as a kid, we went to the school. We were walking from the bus to the football field. And in the grassy field next to the football field was this individual. And he was a Middle Eastern guy. He was all in white, the white turban, the white gown, the white robes, everything. He was sitting on a blanket in the grass underneath a tree, 
meditating, praying, whatever he was doing, closing his eyes, sitting Indian style, cross leg, and just meditating. And I'll never forget. I, I don't know who he was, but that stuck out to me big time. And I had no clue what was going on, obviously, with that day until we got home and really um, learned about what was happening. So that being said, I want everybody to remember where they were at that time with 9-11, unless, of course, you're that younger generation, in case then my brain just hurts and I can't fathom the fact that no one knows what that actually was and that emotion that was brought back and how the times have changed. From back then, the only lack of unity we had after 9-11 and the only political concern we had was that we had littering in New York City because there were too many bumper stickers of American flags on flag poles and on light poles. And that was the problem because they were like, hey, please stop putting American flag stickers all over the place because now we're seeing a littering issue across the city. Vast difference from what we're seeing 22 years later. Now, this audio that I have is a very difficult piece of audio. It has taken me years to put this together. And I think I put it together in 2013, 2010, I want to say. But it took me a very long time. It's about seven minutes long. But sit back and just reminisce for a moment, because while others like, I don't know, our fearless leader and president of the United States uh, just vacates the country at the time of this very important memorial in tribute, we're not going to do that here on The Voice of Reason. And we always joke about how we're the most patriotic show on radio, and we're going to hold up to that by playing this tribute that I myself have gathered all of these tiny little audio clips, have pieced it all together have placed it all into this synchronized audio presentation because that's my forte. That's what I enjoy doing. And this is my way to do our, uh, our memorial, our tribute, and our remembrance of September 11th, 2001, where 1,997 individuals passed away in the Twin Towers. This is our tribute here from The Voice of Reason for the 9-11 commemoration. Today, our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts. I saw a big, I heard a boom walked up and there was a big ball of fire. I'm now looking north at the World Trade Center. The victims were in airplanes or in their offices, secretaries, businessmen and women, military and federal workers. The pieces of the building were flying down. All of this was brought upon us in a single day. Here, that there's any kind of a, an effort up there yet. Now remember, oh my God, that looks like a second plane. And night fell on a different world, a world where freedom itself is under attack. There's another one, another plane just hit. <gasps> on September the 11th, enemies of freedom committed an act of war against our country. That just exploded. We I just saw another plane coming in from the side. Americans have known wars, but for the past 136 years, they have been wars on foreign soil. It's horrible. It's, I, I, I can't even describe it. Americans have known the casualties of war. You can hear the fire engines and the emergency and emergency crews behind me. Americans have known surprise attacks, but never before on thousands of civilians. Tremendous explosion as it hit the Pentagon. I looked right, I looked over, and the smoke started coming up. Pieces of the plane were, and pieces of the Pentagon were falling onto the 14th Street, onto the Shirley Highway. This just in, you were looking at a, obviously a very disturbing live shot there. That is the World Trade Center. Apparently a plane has crashed into the World Trade Center in New York. They are running away very, very quickly. There are more explosions further down the building. So this looks like it is some sort of a concerted 
effort to attack the World Trade Center that is underway. This is so shocking, of course, to everybody watching. I, I've never seen anything like it. It literally blew itself into World Trade Center. And the Pentagon is being evacuated. There is a large fire there, and that is the smoke you see in the shot that you are looking at now. It appears that an aircraft of some sort did hit the side of the Pentagon. It's a very haunting description that Bob Kerr just gave of that low-flying aircraft near the White House, and one can only wonder if that was something that ultimately ended back. up in the Pentagon. There has just been a huge explosion. We can see uh, a billowing smoke rising, and I can't, I'll, I'll tell you that I can't see that second tower. And we just saw a live picture of what seemed to be a portion of the building falling away. Only one tower is standing. The other has collapsed. The whole side has collapsed. The whole building has collapsed. The whole building has collapsed. The building has collapsed. Big bang. And then we saw smoke coming out and everybody started running out. And we saw the plane on the other side of the building. And there was smoke everywhere. And people are jumping out the windows. Over there, they're jumping out the windows, I guess, because they're trying to see themselves. I don't know. And there's, you can see, perhaps the second tower, the front tower the top portion of which is collapsing. Good Lord. Body parts all over the place. I mean, this is just, I feel like I was in a movie. There's a, there's a haze everywhere. It's very, very difficult to see, but there has been a, a whole area has been covered by soot and ash. The second building just fell. At least five or six, and uh, it was it was absolutely terrible. Obviously, they had two choices to be burned into in flames or to uh, leap and end it all. Debris continues to fall and to rain on the people below. There are people hanging from the windows, 90 stories up, and a number of bodies have actually hit the pavement. There's some really crazy people in this world. Uh, this is just not... Uh... Too many innocent people. People were jumping off the building. Have you ever seen anything like this? Absolutely not. I've seen at least 10 people fall to their death. The pieces of the building were flying down. It's horrible. It's, I, I can't even describe it. What did you see happen? The whole building just fell. The second building that was hit by the plane has just completely collapsed. The Twin Tower, it's some 110 stories high. It's starting to fall apart. The evidence we have gathered all points to a collection of loosely affiliated terrorist organizations known as Al-Qaeda. Now let's set the record straight. There's no argument over the choice between peace and war, but there's only one guaranteed way you can have peace, and you can have it in the next second. Let me say to the families who lost loved ones on 9-11 that we have never forgotten your loss. Beyond the boundaries of your city's lies Stand the heroes waiting for your cries So many times you did not bring this on yourself But only here did that little band of men so advanced beyond their time that the world has never seen their like since Follow the idea that you and I have within ourselves the God-given right and the ability to determine our own destiny they will hand over the terrorists 
where they will share in their fate. Admittedly, there's a risk in any course we follow other than this, but every lesson of history tells us that the greater risk lies in appeasement. We passed over a destroyed land. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. You who have not seen it do not know what hell looks like from the top. I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden, the leader of al-Qaeda. I've got one thing to say. We got him! Proud of the guys that were willing to go out there and, and take care of business. We have caught and compromised to a permanent end. Osama bin Laden. None of us will ever forget this day, yet we go forward to defend freedom and all that is good and just in our world. Thank you. Good night. And God bless America. There it is, our September 11th tribute right here on The Voice Reason. We play that every year, and we will continue to play that every single year, even if there are some that forgotten what that memorial and what that tribute is all about. Lots more coming up here on The Voice Reason for our weekend edition right after this. Stay right here. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. As you know, the economy's been held stagnant. For the last couple of years, in fact, we're seeing 15 to 20% inflation over the past three years combined. We're seeing near 30% inflation on food. The economy is in a decline, and we're seeing it continue to decline very rapidly, especially with the ongoing budget discussions for the upcoming federal years. Moving forward, it's time to unleash economic progress across the nation, which is why Americans for Prosperity have launched their nationwide campaign, calling out Bidenomics for what it actually is, which has failed economic policy the real fact checkers are here and it's time to let people know what's really going on be part of it right now the bidenomics is broken campaign by letting everyone know what the truth is about the economy you can help by knocking on doors making phone calls or even financially supporting the organization or you can just take the information out to your family friends and neighbors around the community but it's time we bring some truth reason and common sense back into the economy which is what's happening with Americans for Prosperity. They are the country's largest grassroots organization with chapters in every state and have over 4 million advocates nationwide. For more information on how you can help this massive campaign for truth, reason, and common sense, or for more information just to be able to take that information to the streets with your neighbors, go to go online for the information at americansforprosperity.org. That's americansforprosperity.org. Plus, you can follow them on their social media at AFPHQ. Again, AFPHQ, help reignite the American dream by calling out the failed Biden economic policy that is Bidenomics and do it all with Americans for Prosperity online again at americansforprosperity.org. 
looking back the last 22 years has been interesting to watch how we've progressed or digressed, depending on how you look at certain things. And you know me, I'm always the eternal optimist on the show. But doing our 9-11 tribute brings back a lot of emotion. And I hope you did get a little teary-eyed during our little tribute that we did in the last segment. But it's important to play. It's important to remember. Not just because we want to stay angry. It's not about staying angry. We have to let anger go. It's not about that. But it's about remembering what happened. Now, we can talk about the conspiracies, whether the government was involved, whether it was, uh, you know, uh, uh, whoever it was, Osama bin Laden, whether it was other terrorists in Guantanamo, which, by the way, apparently there are some that are still in Gitmo who may not get life and may get released relatively soon, which is causing a new uproar by those that were personally involved in 9-11. At the same time, we still have first responders from September 11th that are still fighting to get proper treatment from diseases that they've gotten, cancers and other sorts of things, from going into these Twin Towers that day, which is really pathetic because we can't take care of them. We can bring in millions upon millions of illegal aliens in this nation, take them all over the country, give them food stamps, give them free health care, give them whatever they need, but we're still fighting. And hat tip to, what's his name? Uh, the uh, Democrat talk show host, um, I can't remember his name. Uh, John John Stewart is it John Stewart that's doing the uh, the daily the Daily Show or that used to do the Daily Show doing his podcast. Now I got to give him credit because he's he's done a phenomenal job fighting and uh, doing hearings in D.C. the congressional hearings, trying to give the uh, permanent health care for these first responders that actually went and uh, were involved in September 11th. We're still debating that stuff. But now we have an entirely new generation that does not remember this catastrophe. We have an Ilhan Omar up there that literally said that some people did something. We don't remember what it was. Don't remember really what happened. But somebody did said something. Why do you continue to hold on to this baggage? It's not about holding on to the baggage. It's remembering the unity that was afterwards, the positivity that came out after where there was unity. Now, there was a lot of bad stuff that happened afterwards. And people are emotional, therefore emotional responses always aren't the best. Like, oh, I don't know, passing the Patriot Act, for example, which I have to admit, I was a supporter of at that time. I was in college when I really started to discuss it and was like, well, maybe that's not such the best thing to do afterwards anyways. When they were looking at re-continuing uh, on the Patriot Act, 2006, 2007, 2008, whenever that was. We went down a road that was probably not the best way to go down. And it's not about remembering the hatred and the anger, but what it is about is remembering the unity that we had as a nation afterwards, that we recovered, we built back, and we united as a nation. Today, I'm a little concerned because that's not quite the case any longer. Lots more coming up right around the corner here for The Voice of Reason. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason meets radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed, it is on the home stretch here. Last half hour of the program. Oh, how it flies by so quickly! Trying to cram that ten pounds reason into that five pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation. One radio listener at a time, all over the place. Multiple radio stations all over the country. More jumping on too. We have a couple more announcements to make here in the next week or so. Stay tuned. It's going to be awesome. As Donald Trump says, it's going to be huge and it's going to be bigly. 
Oh, come on. Where's my, uh, do I have, oh, there it is. And I think we're going to make it bigly. There we go. Thank you. A little delayed action right there, but nonetheless, hey, you know what? As long as it gets done, right? <laughs> Welcome into it. Uh, again, we're going to step away from the 9-11, September 11th commemoration uh, a little bit. We'll get back to it here a little while later, but remember it. Never forget. That was the motto. Never forget. Now we have elected officials that want nothing to do with it and just want us to say, these aren't the joy you're looking for and just remove ourselves completely from that situation. But let's shift gears a little bit here, shall we? What's trending today? The sad part is that um, I don't know if this is good or bad if they are or not. I don't know. Are they teaching about September 11th in, in classes now in public education? <laughs> if they are, then they're teaching it in the history books, which makes me feel really old for a 34-year-old. If they're not teaching it, then we're missing the opportunity to show what unity actually looked like as a nation because that was the last time I think that we've actually seen somewhat unity across the nation. To talk about the back to school, because we are a few weeks into the fall school semester and some of the changes that we've seen. We've obviously seen a lot of changes from the COVID-19 pandemic, remote learning, where we're at there. But there's a big push finally on the conversation about school choice. More schools across the nation are looking at opportunities for school choice, giving kids the opportunity. To, and for whatever reason, there is a block. There is pushback from some that say, no, 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 we want private schools to say private. We want public schools to say public. Wait a second. You don't want kids to have the opportunity to get a private school quality education? No, not really. We want them to stay in public education so we can control them through the Department of Education, through the teachers unions, through the federal government, whatever they want to look at for their curriculum. They want to hold on to that power, baby, which is what we're here to talk about now. Excited to have on the program for the first time. He's the president and CEO of the National School Choice Awareness Foundation. Happy to have on the program, Andrew Campanella. Andrew, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I'm looking forward to this because we love talking education, but oh, how the education system has changed over the years in some good and bad ways. But we're still trying to play catch up a little bit after the COVID pandemic and all the remote learning, aren't we? Absolutely. And I was listening to your introduction. You're talking about students learning about the tragedy that happened on 9-11 and American yeah. history. And I feel old, too. Um, <laughs> but what I'm concerned about is that too many kids growing up now, will not learn about it. And we just saw some wow. sobering data. 22%, only 22% of eighth graders this year are proficient in civics, meaning they know how the government is actually run or, or not running. And that's scary to me. You've got more than three quarters of eighth graders without proficient level knowledge in, in how our country are you know, Democratic Republic works. It's very alarming. But on the positive side of things, more families in Kansas and all across the country have more opportunities to exercise school choice. And so hopefully, if more parents take advantage of those options, we can get those numbers up. Yeah, that is good news. Why such a low number in civics? I know that right now we're focused on social experiments of the LGBTQ and gender preferences and all this other garbage. It's not really on uh, on actual academics because apparently math is racist or something now, uh, which is what we see in a lot of different schools. But wh when did this come from and why are so few actually aware of civics? I remember my eighth grade because eighth grade was when we really stepped up the gears on civics and the history class and how to properly fold the flag and what the uh, different stripes and the colors represented on the flag. And I remember those classes and I took hold of those because I absolutely loved it. 
but I don't see many schools doing that nowadays. Well, you know, I think that there has been a huge focus over the last few years and certainly the last decade and a half on college preparation. Um, And that has focused a lot on STEM education, which is valuable, uh, as well as to, I think, a lesser extent on reading and writing, just based on um, what I've seen out in the the job marketplace. Um, But some of the things that have suffered are civics, history, what it means to be a citizen in this country, and what citizenship is all about. And I think that's a mistake. I think that we need to get back to a more well-rounded, holistic education that teaches kids the basics, and civics should be one of the basics. We also need to get back to making sure kids know how to read, using phonics, tested strategies so the kids can sound out their words and feel confident picking up a book and getting through it. We've gotten away from that. You know, sometimes the more money that you spend on developing curriculum, the worse of an outcome you get. Yeah, I completely agree. There are four, really four curriculum that I think that we need to have before we graduate high school, which, like you said, is having an actual high school reading level, which not many have because what the average is really like eighth grade reading levels by the time we graduate, which is really kind of scary. Civics to know how our government functions. I think we should do a citizenship test uh, along with our SATs, ACTs, whatever we do now in testing. But I think the citizenship test should be something that's a requirement for us to pass. I also think financial literacy is a mandatory before you walk out. How to handle bank accounts, how to handle interest rates, how to handle money so we don't go into the real world and be like, oh, sure, $100,000 of student loan debt is totally normal. Like, why don't we do these things? Absolutely. I agree with you. And I'll tell you what, the amount of time and effort that's spent on things like making sure kids can do calculus, well, that's wonderful. But if you can't balance a checkbook or understand that money that you borrow is money that you (laughs) eventually will have to pay back, that calculus is not going to do you any good. I yeah. was uh, one of those people who uh, wish uh, that I had had uh, some financial literacy in high school. And uh, when I went to college, they had all these tables lined up in the um, you know sort of outside portion of our, our out of our dorms with all these credit card vendors, and they just told us, "Hey, you know, if you get scholarships, list that as income. You can get credit cards." And boy, I learned my lesson. And my parents said to me, "We didn't teach you how to do this. You 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 knew better. Figure it out." And I did. Yeah. 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 We learned the hard way. I, I mean, I'm years after college and I'm still paying on my $50,000 of student loan debt because, again, it was my, my parents didn't. They didn't give me a, a budget. They didn't sit down and say, hey, here's how we break down our budget. We had none of that. I was like, this is totally going to be simple to pay back when I got out of college because everybody does it. Why? Why is this such an issue? Uh, we're talking with Andrew Campanelli. He's the president and CEO of the National School Choice Awareness Foundation. Let's talk about school choice because this has been a growing conversation for years now. And we're finally starting to gain some traction. I think the biggest start, I think a fire that was lit was a few years ago in Wisconsin when Scott Walker was really fighting against the teachers unions that led to like two or three recall elections on him because of how powerful the unions were in the education system, despising the fact that he was going against them. And since then, we've continued to see it grow all the way to the point to where the last election, the governor of Virginia said that if parents want to be involved in the school board, then they're essentially domestic terrorists and should have no say in the curriculum for public education. Uh, The other side seems to like their power, not for the children, but for their own ability to control the curriculum on education or something. 
you know, I think a lot of it has to do with money and a lot of it has to do with um, predictability of funding streams. But what I want everybody to know is that when you look at school choice, school choice is about all the options out there for families. It's about traditional public schools and allowing parents the freedom to choose a school that might be outside of their zone or district. It's about making sure that families have access to high-quality charter schools and magnet schools, as well as full-time tuition-free online schools. It's about providing families with tuition assistance so they can afford private or faith-based schools. It's about homeschooling. And it's about a new concept uh, that is really being pioneered in many ways in Kansas called micro-schooling, which is where parents and educators work together to create small group learning environments where kids are just absolutely inspired to learn and they are really just doing an incredible job um, getting kids who uh, may have fallen behind during COVID like so many kids did and and getting them curious about education and different topics. And so school choice is not about saying that there's anything wrong with a specific type of school. It gives everybody opportunity to thrive. So folks who don't agree with it because they like public education, what they should think of is this, with more school choice and more options, and more options within the public uh, schooling sector, that allows for even more revenue for those schools if parents choose them. It just allows parents more opportunities. And so just like every community has services, they should have schools that match the needs of their constituents. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I love that micro-schooling opportunity. I heard about that recently, and it, it, it's amazing, the fact that parents are banding together and saying, all right, we're going to take the, king, the 10 kids on the street and each day go to a parent's house and learn about gardening, learn about real life opportunities, learn about things and still do the regular education, but give them that hands on experience. This is I mean, that's how education started. And that was when education quality was actually high. We didn't see the declines that we see now in education until the Federal Department of Education was created back in the 50s and 60s. Before that, that was education and the educated level of students growing up was through the roof. You know, and we also had a different economy back then. And this is what I, I try to tell people uh, who were who saying, you know, well, we had it better back then. In some ways we did, but in other ways, um, the economy was so different. So if you didn't do that well <laughs> in school, you could still get a job. You could still find yeah. a job making a good wage, maybe with a pension in your community. Now we're in a global economy where a lot of those jobs that you would have been able to get if you might not have been in advanced courses in high school – those jobs are not in this country anymore. So we need to prepare people at even higher levels. So the trend lines are in the wrong direction. We need to see exponential growth in student achievement, not flatlining, not declines. And what we just saw after COVID is student achievement dropped lowest level in, in three decades. Yeah, that's a great point. Andrew, hang on the line. We've got to take a hard break here. I want to continue this conversation when we come back. It's Andrew Campanella with the National School Choice Awareness Foundation fighting for school choice and raising that quality of education again. We'll do some more of that when we come back here on The Voice of Reasons Weekend Edition. Stay right here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. Last segment of the program for another weekend in the books, man. Pat yourself on the back. You made it through. It's going to be a rough week. I guarantee it. Why? Well, it's because not only is it Patriot Day on Monday, which is the 9-11 Memorial, but it is a full week after a Labor Day weekend off. So 
You have to deal with five days and you have to get back into that routine. I know it's tough. Hang in there. By the way, real quick, I don't know if you saw the headline. <laughs> wokeness tries to support wokeness, but Bill Gates apparently has purchased $95 million in Anheuser-Busch stocks after Bud Light continues to go downhill after the Dylan Mulvaney travesty that it was. And they don't want it to go away. So, of course, the progressives have to continue to buy it to be like, oh, yeah, stocks not going there. Uh-huh. And we see how well that's working out for them. We're hanging out right now with Andrew Campanella. He's the president CEO of the National School Choice Awareness Foundation. You can find them online. All the information at schoolchoiceawareness.org. Andrew, let's talk about school choice for a minute. There are a lot of states. I, I'm coming from Kansas. I know we're all over the country with this program. But uh, I, I love talking about education, especially here in Kansas and the Mid-America region. Especially there has been a major push for school choice, giving parents the opportunity to take their kids to whether it's a micro schooling, which is amazing. And I want to spend an entire segment talking about that at some point. Uh, so we'll have to have you back on. But the micro schooling, the charter schools, the magnet schools, the private schools, giving kids opportunity and the parents the opportunity to take their kids to the best education available to them. Again, why in the world? If the education system is set up to supposedly focus on the education of children, why would they not want to create competition in a market in order to raise the quality to give the children the best opportunity for education available? Well, they should because it's really, really simple. You as a parent know your children better than anybody else on this earth. You know what they like. You know what they dislike. You know what environments they thrive in. You know what environments make them uncomfortable. No government Um, representative, no person working in a school district knows your child better than you. You are the most qualified person out there to choose how, where, and what your kids learn. That is what school choice is all about. It's not about saying that one type of school is a better option for all kids, but about allowing you as a mom or dad to choose the school that works best for your individual child. And so anybody who's standing in the way of that needs to think about why they would prevent people from making decisions like we make choices in every other aspect of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. They don't like uh, really what it comes down to is they don't like competition and they don't like, and this is not an attack by the way on teachers. Cause there's a lot of really fantastic, wonderful teachers out there. Uh, but they get a lot of misinformation from the teachers unions telling them that this is very bad for them because it creates competition. If you can take even your kid from just one public school to another public school, because they have better graduation rates, they have a better curriculum, they do a better job, uh, they hold themselves to a higher standard. If they're just even allowed to do that, then the uh, less fortunate school starts playing the victim and says, oh my gosh, I can't believe the children are being taken away from us. So instead of raising their quality, they just get rid of the opportunity for kids to leave so they're stuck there in that crappy education system. That, That to me is a very weird situation or a position to take. But when you look at states that have had robust school choice for a long time, the opposite happens. Districts and individual public schools up their game because they know that in a true marketplace, they can regain more market share by doing what families need and want for their kids. That's what we see. And so I'm hopeful that with Kansas's new open enrollment plan that allows families to choose outside of their zones and districts, we will see that type of innovation to benefit kids so that schools, once they lose students, will think about why. Yeah. Andrew, we got about 30 seconds left here, but how many states right now have some type of school choice or voucher program or something in their state to give these kids an opportunity? And real quickly, what states are actually working on this in the upcoming state legislative sessions? 
More than half of states have some level of private school choice. All states have some type of school choice. Uh, some of them don't have much, though. Uh, and in the upcoming year, we're looking at Texas to see what happens there. We've seen strong growth in Iowa, Arkansas, Florida. Um, wow. Places all it's, across it, the country expanding opportunity. Yeah, it's growing then. It's growing. This is a this is a big it move really that's is. growing all over the place. That's amazing. That is encouraging, and I love to go off on a positive note like that. So guess what? Education system. We're going to create a little bit of a free market capitalist competition in there and raise that quality up on you just a little bit, and we're okay with that. It's Andrew Campanella, the president and CEO of the National School Choice Awareness Foundation. You can find them online at schoolchoiceawareness.org. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the program, my friend. Let's do it again here real soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Hey, appreciate it very much. There it is. End of the show, man. End of the line for us today. Until then, happy Patriot Day to you on Monday, September 11th. Remember where you were. Remember that day. Never forget is what we said. Although we're starting to see that slip away, even with our grand president of the United States not being here in the nation at that time. Until then, this is the Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. Be your own Voice of Reason, and we'll see you on the radio. Have a great weekend.